When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Bloodgrounders podcast. My name is Josh. We are joined by our friend, Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? Doing great, Josh. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, mission accomplished, as a great writer once said. Uh, Barcelona have officially qualified for the Champions League, so we can stop our worrying, our uh, concern trolling. And now we can uh, basically, there's just no impactful football in Barcelona land until, you know, August late August, uh, whenever the season picks up again. Um, the well, So th- there have been two wins since the last time I recorded, uh, one of them a little more uh, impressive than the other. So let's start with the more impressive one, the one over uh, Betis that secured the, uh, the top four spot. Uh, of course, it was left to a late kind of miracle winner by two aging uh, stars, former stars, however you want to put it. Um, but it was still an impressive win against a pretty good team. What were your kind of takeaways from that match, given how important it was for Xavi's guys? Good to get that result against the team that you're competing for in the top four and basically knock them out of it and to do it in a, on an away game. So that was really encouraging. Um, I, I still don't think that the performances have been very good, even in that game. But it was nice to see, especially this is one thing I was thinking about that same week where I watched Real Madrid in Manchester City right before that a few days. And it was just, it's so dispiriting to see the way that they come back and win those late games. And they've been doing it for years. It's just a part of their ethos, if that's the right word. And Barcelona hasn't quite been that same team known for those kind of late game dramatics. So to see them do it against Betis, I thought was, if anything, nice symbolism to show that maybe under Xavi, there's going to be more resiliency than there was in the past. And that was my main takeaway. And it was, anytime you win a late game, it's just exciting as well. So getting results at this point in the season, you know, with all these injuries now, that's created a little bit of space to be able to uh, not panic and get the top four solidified. And even like Chavi said, set a new goal for getting top two. Um, I, I don't really have anything else about his match. What were your thoughts on the, the way that Barcelona started, particularly the kind of strategy and formation at the start of the Salta match? I mean, uh, just bizarre in my opinion. I saw Memphis and Ferran and then like four forwards and two midfielders. And one of the two midfielders was Gavi. And I, I thought no matter me, the four, two, three, one made sense to me in the beginning, because maybe you could make the case that Memphis could play uh, behind Aubameyang, but then you were, and I guess that's actually what it was, the four, two, three, one. But then when you saw that it doesn't really make sense, because how can you put Gavi in a double pivot? He's never done that before. Uh, just bizarre. I think that's the thing about Chavi because he is a young coach. We forget he has a lot of potential. He's very smart, but he's going to do things that are just kind of strange sometimes. And I think maybe we have to be a little bit patient with him so he can learn as a coach. Uh, he's done it a few times, actually, in his tenure already, where I pointed out, like, uh, he's not a perfect manager. He, I, I think he's uh, been very successful so far, um, and he's kind of, he's kind of I don't know, 
giving himself leeway to experiment, maybe has crazy ideas in his head. But that didn't work from the beginning. It was actually kind of painful to watch. Uh, let's be honest, Celta was dominating the game uh, up until Dembélé's spectacular first goal, or the one he created for uh, Memphis. Yeah, and I think the the more strange part about it was like his quote after the game. He said, "quote The team was not comfortable with their formation." Cool, he admits that. But then the strange part is he says, "quote We have not trained it much, and it has not gone well." Mm-hmm. So I mean, I I, hey. I mean, here's the thing: they qualified for top four, right? Like, I guess you can screw around a little bit. Like, I don't know if that's what his thought process was. Like, yeah. So then the question is like, why did you do it then, Chavi? Because uh, you do know you had Ricky Pooch, who you could have just slid into that center midfield role and kept your four three three and system intact. And it just goes to show, if anything, like what are, what message are you sending to Ricky Pooch? That's what stood out to me because that was so obvious. Uh, so why did you do it? You didn't train it. Um, Memphis, everybody knows you should know better than anyone else, is really not a technical player in the number 10 role. Like, he's going to give up the ball. He, he did some really good things. That his work rate was really he's really good. He's working hard these days. So I don't know why he did it. Maybe it was just something that he says, my bad, mea culpa. I, I'll not do that again. And I hope that's the truth. Yeah, the, the Ricky stuff is weird because he. I feel like this is like the third straight manager that's been like, no, Ricky's very important to what we're doing here. And then just leaves him on the bench at all times possible and doesn't actually give him any important playing time. Like there's, I don't know, there's the old adage about like, you know, like the words coming out of your mouth don't really speak that loud when your actions are just benching him every game. And I, I know he came in, right? He got a chance at halftime uh, after Xavi's plans didn't go so well. But I don't know, with the way that the midfield is shaping up in terms of who's going, and we're going to talk about who's potentially going out later uh, later on, but like the the midfield transition that is set to happen at Barcelona, is is a little confusing when you have players on the club now that you feel like could be really good players given the given the chance, and they're just they're just sitting there. And it's strange because like as fans, we've also watched. If we're talking about Ricky Pooch first, we've watched him play, and fans are more brutal than anyone else, especially like the true Barca fans. They're not going to give a player the benefit of the doubt if he's not playing well. And what we're all seeing is not what the coaches have seen, the last three Barcelona coaches who haven't given Ricky Pooch the chance. Um, maybe as a coach, you're conservative and you are really worried about like his defensive contributions. But in a Barcelona team where you're where Chavi's philosophy starts with, we want the ball, we desire the ball, we want to have the ball, we want to dominate the ball at all times. I think Ricky Pooch is a good player to have in that system. And even when he came on, not saying he was perfect. I think he was rusty, uh, but he's so dynamic, just so creative and kind of fearless and moving the game forward. And maybe that's why fans like him because it's more attractive football to watch. Um, but it doesn't look like based on reports that uh, even he wants to stick around any longer. So there will be a transition in the midfield that Chavi needs to figure out. Yeah. And let's talk about, uh, again, we're coming up in it's May, it's mid May already. Um, Usman Dembele still doesn't have a new contract. I think it's pretty pretty clear he's the best player at Barcelona right now. Um, I don't know that it's particularly close in terms of his ceiling. Um, well, I, I should take that back. Uh, Sans Pedri and Fati's ceilings, and okay, it, that was a little that that was overzealous. I, 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 no, I think I, it's fair. I think they're on the same level in terms of you know top top three right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, so you know. Sans Pedri, I think, I, even including Fati, I think 
Dembele is clearly the second and maybe the first, but definitely the second or third best player at Barcelona. Uh, still doesn't have a new contract. And uh, from all from all signs, he's not really been considered a priority. I'm not seeing everyday reports about progress. I'm not seeing anything. When it, when it comes to a world-class player that has a contract running out, you usually see updates. You usually see leaks, rumors. I'm seeing nothing. And... It's concerning because the the lackluster performances that have happened in the last couple months, right? Like the random sparks they've gotten. Yes, like there's been like a random moment of Memphis greatness or a random moment of Aubameyang doing something. But for the most part, it's chances that Usman Dembele is creating. He's the league leader in assists, despite mm-hmm. having not played, you know, a dozen plus games or whatever it was. Um, it's kind of mind-boggling why he's not being prioritized, whether it's like a the Barcelona media campaign, like why are they not leaking? Like they want him back. I, I just, it, it's, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. That's what I, what I heard about this week was mission accomplished for now. And what I meant by that was it felt really good to accomplish that goal of top four, but if someone like Dembélé isn't back and he's been the guy you've really relied on for playmaking, then what, like, who do you, re- how do you replace that? Like Pedro and Fati will be dependent on them, but they need, this is Barcelona. We don't want to be in second place next year. We want to be in first place. And there's no doubt that if, and it's looking like Dembélé doesn't need to step up right now to do the contract renewal because he can wait till the summer. So it really has to be Barcelona if they want him making the moves and they're not making the moves. So Xavi did you know a great job these last few months, but whatever he's going to be doing next year, it looks like it's going to have to be a completely new formula because what he relied on these last few months to accomplish this goal it's not going to be the same system next year with the same people unless we get surprised in the summer. But that's what I think all of us are thinking now. And if we're being honest, uh, you know, Usman Dembele has been the spark. And if he wasn't the spark, we would have seen a lot more of Adama Traore. And the reason we haven't seen him is because Dembele has been undroppable. So how do you replace that going forward if you're not going to renew him? Big question. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're Dembele, like he's, he bet on himself and he knew like and it's paying off like he has he's had a healthy run of like a few months now that honestly feels like and this might not be true but it feels like it's the longest stretch of time he hasn't been hurt since he's been at the club or at least the longest stretch of time he hasn't been hurt and been given chances on the pitch um and we're truly seeing like what i mean again this is one of the things i, I don't know if the entire fan base felt this way but it feels like talking to you, talking to every person I have on this podcast for the last two years, it's it's been like, Dembele is great. Give him chances and you will see. And Chavi Chavi clearly knew this, mm-hmm. right? He's doing it. He's performing. He bet on himself. And now Barcelona have to pay up or they're going to lose one of the best wingers in the world. And heading into um, a year next year where I guess it remains to be seen if Real Madrid are getting Mbappe or not. But like this current Real Madrid team that or just never, never die mm-hmm. that can casually stroll and win La Liga and casually make the Champions League final and are going to get better in the offseason. And Barcelona might get worse. Like, yeah, I don't exactly. It's very strange. I think what it tells you is okay, no one's doubting anymore that he's one of the best wingers in the world, Dembele. So you have to pay him like he's one of the best wingers in the world. But what it reveals is this financial situation, which is not transparent. We, no one's more like consumed with the information than people like us. And none of us really know the ins and outs of how bad the debt is. But it's clear that when you combine this with the Erling 
Milan situation, he didn't even get sold to Man City for that much money, all things considered. Barcelona's really in financial trouble. Um, and if they're penny pinching with Dembele, if it's if it's a for sporting reasons, you have every right to say, listen, or injury reasons, that's one thing. I uh, look at Real Madrid and I'm thinking, okay, what's going to be important is chemistry between players. And it's very clear that not only is Dembele great, but his teammates recognize that and they're feeding him the ball so much and they're playing off of him. Benzema has been a junior. Their chemistry has been incredible this year. Aubameyang's going to be back next year. He really does need Dembele because the chemistry there is so good. And I think Xavi knows these things. So part of me thinks that behind the scenes, he's going to be, um, you know, politicking uh, on both sides for on the Barcelona side and on the Dembele side to make this happen. But there are no certainties. Wait, <laughs> the, okay, I guess for whatever reason, I ignored the Erling Holland transfer fee. I guess it's including agent fees only going to be 80 million. Including agent fees, 50 million, even without that. That's great because I'm on a nice mirror, a nice mirror blog post that's talking about ten players that cost more than yeah. Him. And how much did okay. Ron Torres cost? About forty five, not that far off. Um, and I'm not going to yeah, say start bashing it, him, but if we can afford Ferran Torres, can't you find a way to maybe it's, get? I don't know. Here, here, here's some good news, right? Uh, there used to be three Barcelona players on a list like this. Now there's only two. We've taken Usman Dembele off because, despite the and again, it was market rate at the time. Um, but you know, unfortunately, our our good pal Aston Villa's Philippe Coutinho is still on here for 140 million. Uh, although we're set to reportedly gain 20 million from him because Steven Gerrard really loves him. Uh, so after five five years or whatever it's been since we signed him, anyways, yeah, the financial situation, the lack of clarity, it's confusing. I I don't like like you said, the Ferran Torres thing is the, honestly the most confusing besides letting. Um, Lionel Messi go because we forget that happened less than a year ago. Um, wages. That is the. <laughs> it's all about wages, apparently. It, I guess, but like, where do you come up with the fifty million for Ferran Torres if you can't afford? Like it. it I again, just read recently that they said apparently the deal was they're going to pay ten million for five years with Man City. So they're oh, that's great. So they're taking out loan. They're taking out <laughs> yeah. installment plans against yeah. the oil barons of the Premier League. Cool. Okay. That's how they afforded him, apparently. But still, that's still debt over like five years. Whether you pay it now or pay it later. I, I, I do think it's funny that uh, Romelu Lukaku is on this list twice for 90 million to Chelsea and 70 million to Manchester United. Poor Rom. Supposed to show you have to bring in the players for your system. You can't just be like, oh, that guy's really good, and then bring him in and. Just send, him, just send him back to Inter. Watching him in Lataro was the best. Um, Anyways. Uh, and yeah, why, so and now this whole Griezmann situation is, is, is that's have you been following that this last week? I mean, now we're just like waxing everything that's going on, but apparently, so Aston Villa, first of all, um, have already negotiated down the price they're going to pay Barcelona for Coutinho. Barcelona wanted 40, and they're like, eh, you know, we'll take him for 20. Barcelona's like, we'll take anything, give us 20. And now with Griezmann, it's the same thing. Like, Atletico's like, we don't know if we really want him and his wages, if it's really worth um, buying him. So in order for us to actually do it, they're going to have to get like a real cut rate deal. And Barcelona is going to get very little in return. And it's all because of the wage bill. They want to get Griezmann's wages off the wage bill. And for some, not for some reason, I thought, I thought the, the buy price was like written in the deal when he left. But it's not a guarantee buy. Like oh. they, don't have to, they don't have to pay it. And for Coutinho, um, I guess, I don't know how that works exactly with how they're written into the contract, but... You can always negotiate it down later. 
um, and refused to pay what was originally put into that into the loan deal. Oh gosh, I think the craziest so thing Coutinho is only twenty nine years old. Yeah, he could be great for um, uh, Aston Villa. Yeah, he's dried up a little bit. And we got to play with Aston Villa, though. He's in his natural position. That's the other thing. The Barcelona, the, having Messi around for Griezmann and for Coutinho was really bad. They were never, I think, going to play well with him. But at least with Aston Villa, it's worth the investment because and he might be great the next few years because he's exactly where he wants to be on the field. Um. Okay, let's just talk about... Uh... Okay. Let's see. Let's talk about Nico. So, uh, Barcelona reportedly have no idea what to do with him. Um, his contract isn't up for two more years, but, uh, there was a sport reporting that wolves were interested in him. And of course there seems like there's a report that wolves and Barcelona are interested in each other's players. Like every two weeks, I guess they just have a nice relationship now. I, I don't really know. Um, again, another one of the midfielders that Barcelona, have on a deal who's young, who they aren't sure where they fit. I, I, in what world, why would they ever sell him and not just loan him out? I guess is my question. Yeah. It's just that infusion of money. If they'll pay 20 million for him. And do you think they'd pay 20? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not maybe Well, more than 10 for sure. I think given what I've seen in the market for a young player, I don't know if anyone would pay that outright for him, but, uh, if you're Barcelona, I, why would you sell him for less than that when he's got so much potential? And I like Nico because I'm not sure he'll ever be truly spectacular, but he's kind of versatile. He can play all three positions within the midfield, which is good. Uh, but maybe I was kind of reading up on Frank Cassier, and I think that situation is interesting with Nico because maybe you could loan him out. I don't think he's at that high of wages, so you're right. Why would you loan him out? Like, What is the actual benefit of that? Uh, but maybe they're going to lean on Frank Cassier next year. But the more I read about him, 25 years old, he'd be a really interesting player for the future, coming in the prime of his career. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like when you hear reports like that, on one hand, Nico is a building block for the future. And then you're talking about either loaning him or selling him. There's something going on with the finances that doesn't square away with the more optimistic tone that Juan Laporta portrays sometimes. All right, so let's talk about Frankie de Jong. So you're going to have to tell me, is uh, Gerard Romero, is he like, <laughs> I, I I don't trust everyone, anyone really, except for Fabrizio Roman, R Romano. Is it Romano? Or Rom Anyways, mm -hmm. Gerard Romero, is he quality reporter? Do you know? Because. I think his claim to fame is just that he says things and then they become true. So now people take him seriously because everything he's been saying the last few years somehow actually becomes a thing. Oh, okay, never mind. I this isn't the guy I thought he was. Okay, never mind. I I, I don't take him that seriously. Okay, well, there goes my whole thing. Anyways, he had a report about Frankie. Um, apparently, well, I guess this isn't even like because I've, I've seen sport talk about this too. I think, but uh, his old boss, of course, is now at Manchester United, and it seems like every time a new powerful Dutch figure comes at any big club, they want Frankie de Jong. Um. It all goes back to money, right? And like, I feel like we've talked about this each time you've been on where there's been some strange, like, why would they let Frankie go? And now it's just every good Barcelona midfielder is on the chopping block, except for Sergio Busquets, because I guess no one wants him. Uh, Frankie de Jong, if they're able to get a decent amount of money for him, it seems like they're going to be happy to let him go. And I, I don't really understand it, 
because he's worth that much because he's that good? Do you actually, like, is there a world where you see him leaving? Because at this point, I kind of thought it was ridiculous two months ago. And now with like the bits of business that I'm seeing them do, I wouldn't be surprised if it was announced in two weeks that he was leaving. No, I think so. John Laporte already proved that he'll do a shocking move and so on Messi and Griezmann. And this could be the shocker of the summer coming up now. And it's going to be, you know, he'll do it and then he'll say, he'll explain and we'll get more information about how the financial situation is really bad. And this is the only way to get a cash infusion to get other players. But for me, I think we're going to miss Frankie de Jong when he's gone. I think he's a player that he hasn't always been up to the really high expectations that we had for him. But he really is a glue on this team. Uh, you know, he's all over the pitch. He's a leader. And if you're going to do something like getting rid of Frankie, I don't know who you're placing with. I'm not sure it's, it's, it's as simple to say it's going to be Gavi because he's such a different type of player. And then you really are losing depth in the midfield that needs to be replaced somehow. It's like a cash infusion for players, right? Like that's what that's mm -hmm. what you said. That's like that's what I think when I see that much money. And I'm just like, who? Like they <laughs> like Lewandowski. They, are you gonna like get rid of him and then use that money to pay overpay for Lewandowski a year before he's gonna be a free signing? I bet it does seem like the Lewandowski stuff actually there's actual there's actual sparks to this that he actually wants to leave. Like it's kind of gone on a little bit longer. There was a sport report yesterday, I think. Wow, he's really sure he wants the new chapter and that he's interested in Barcelona. But Barca's going to have to pay. And Bayern's not going to, you know. And in a way, it's the way I'm looking at that situation, just like pivoting around now. If you have Aubameyang for one more year and you could get Lewandowski a year later, even though he's going to be older, older forwards, center forwards seem to still be productive these days. I feel like you have to wait and get him on a free and use Aubameyang next year to center forward as a first option. I don't know. All I know is that the the Barcelona business that's happening, that's rumored to be happening, that hasn't happened, like the last five months, and I think we have to give credit where credit's due. And I, I think like we have talked about this and praised them for this. Like what they did in January saved their season. Like both Xavi arriving and Adama Traore and Aubameyang randomly turning into superstars for like a month and a half saved their season. Yes. Um. G that was great. Yeah, we have to January was terrific, and then all of a sudden, those guys came in and changed everything. Yep. Um, all that being said, I'm very confused at the direction. That, and again, there's just rumors at this point, but the rumors have stayed somewhat consistent, like with the Frankie stuff. And so I'm concerned where Barcelona's summer's heading, and only time will tell. But if we head into an offseason where they don't re-sign Dembele, Frankie gets sold and we end up with who knows what it's going to be a weird vibe heading into next year to say the least. Let's just say a prayer that Leeds gets relegated and Rafinha comes in cheap because he is a kind of game-changing winger that I think everyone in Barcelona is like that would just be a godsend but you're right it's if even if Rafinha came and then Dumbele and Frankie leave that's a huge part of the core of your team right now that has been successful over the last few months. So there's just no guarantees. I don't see, like Madrid, the funny thing about them, like, so they, if they are the measuring stick, of how do we actually compete for a league title next year? They weren't even spectacular this year. They were just like winning mindset all the way. And there just wasn't a lot of competition. And under Carlo Ancelotti again next year, they're going to be just a steady team. And if Barcelona is going to compete with Real Madrid next year, they're going to have to be really good. 
um, and not shoot themselves in the foot the way that they did so many times to start the season this year. And when you're starting over with new guys, once again, there's no guarantees it's going to work out even with Javi. Um, but look, is there anything positive that we can think about? Because now they're feeling like, I'm not trying yeah, to they, okay, here, no anxieties that going into the summer, but... I mean, no, I mean, when you have a guy like Usman Abela that's not re-signed at this point, I think there's good reason to have, like, what are they doing? Um, but we're going to end on a positive note. Okay, um, let's do it. Mission accomplished for now. Like, yes. like you said in your piece, uh, Barcelona have officially qualified for top four Champions League. Like, they're in the Champions League next year, which is which is all we want. Um, that's kind of all we targeted. That's all we hoped for. And we have it now. So we can look forward to European nights for at least at least uh, you know six matches in the group stage <laughs> and we can hope for more. And uh, that's a good thing, right? There's gonna be money from that. It's, it makes Barcelona attractive and that's a good thing. That's a really good point. I think Barcelona is an attractive destination again for players. Lewandowski wants to come here. Rafinha wants to come here. This is a place players wanna to come to. So even with the uncertainty of the other players who might be leaving, a lot of good players wanna come here. And ultimately my positive note to end on is that Pedri and Ansu Fati are going to be leading the way. And that's something to look forward to, to see what they can do together next year. Yes. And Usman Dembele. Please resign Usman Dembele. Anyways. Yes, and hopefully Dembele. Nick, thank you for joining us. Everyone check out Nick's great work at BarcaBlogranas.com. And Nick, we will chat again soon. Sounds good. Have a good one. 